the grave he arose. A mighty triumph for his foe. He arose, he defeated, he gained victory for you and I this morning. We are a privileged people. Great is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. There is nothing that is impossible with my God. Nothing impossible with your God if you're serving the living God. He will part the waters for you. He will break down barriers. He will bring healing. He will bring deliverance. He is the God that is alive and on the throne this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. No other name is worthy, only the name of Jesus. Blessed be his name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt him together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard hit me, and delivered me from all of my fears. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him, and he delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him to those who trust him. You may be wondering what's going on this morning. Pastor Keith has taken a few weeks leave, about three Sundays. So I know you weren't expecting this on up here, but unfortunately, I'm the fill-in. Pray for Pastor as he's away for a bit, rejuvenating to come back in full power and strength. The other thing that's happening this morning is we're, we're going to be live at certain points, being broadcast out into the world. Uh, my brave was only, well, I had no bravery about it, if you must know. But I said, well, if I have a choice, we'll just start where I start to speak, because I don't know what's going to happen before or after. So when I get ready to speak, then we're going to welcome those who are coming online. And then when I close, I'll be saying goodbye but we won't be finished. Stay still. And if I mess it up, you already know all about it. So uh, the one thing I sense this morning is a very real presence of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, it wasn't there at 7 o'clock this morning when I was walking. But you know what? In our weakness, he comes. He he intervenes when we least expect it. And no matter what our situation is this morning, what I want to say to you before I even speak is, he is all 
you need, and he is all I need. Quite sure how this is going to go this morning. I'm just going to go with it. Liz, I think I'm going to uh, speak first. Welcome all to the service this morning. I'm going to talk this morning on expectation. Let your memory go back to that time when you were a child at Christmas. Now, not all of us grew up rich or whatever, and there was things about that. But we remember the Wish catalog. Couldn't wait to get it. It was worn out by the time Christmas came. But there was that expectancy, and in our childhood, that Santa Claus was going to come and there would be something for us. And those of us who were a little more not so, uh, not on the, uh, we were almost on the poverty level or below, uh, there was still that time of year where probably, I know my parents probably paid for it all year and then had to charge it for the next year. But we knew there would be something and I can remember the buildup but we knew it was going to happen. There was a fact that said there will be something. And so there was. Now, the other issue, think about your birthday. When I was growing up, I never had a birthday party. Most people couldn't afford, couldn't afford it in where I grew up. But there was one thing I looked forward to and I knew it would be there was the four-layer rainbow cake. <laughs> I knew. And, I, and if everything was good, there might even be a bit of homemade ice cream to go with it. But it didn't matter. It was the four-layer rainbow cake. We knew it would be there regardless might have not been to my mother's liking, but it would be there. It tasted fine to me. I'd love some. The other thing was, I remember in my childhood, every July or August, a barrel of used and new clothes came from our rich relatives in the States. Anticipation built. The fact was, we knew that my Aunt Lila would send the barrel. It didn't always arrive on the same day, but we knew before school started that barrel would arrive and that all these would be new to us clothes and everything. That is expectation based on fact. You all have those memories. They're there. And you could ha have that in expectation because of. See, expectation is looking forward to some event that we know will happen because we have proof. Hope, on the other hand, is a desire. It doesn't have to have fact. 
It doesn't have it doesn't have to have real beliefs. It's just a hope. I hope that whatever. Hope while it resist resi hope while it rests in desire. Expectation requires belief. Fact and belief. And expectations will fail you and I when they're not based on fact. It will fail when we can't wait. Impatience, even when we have an expectation that will happen and we can't wait, we're going to lose it. Expectation, no matter which way we cut it, requires a belief and a faith that it's going to happen. Okay. So, There are some biblical examples that you and I can think about. What is the, one of the first ones that I thought about was way back in Genesis. Genesis two, uh, 22. And I'm going to read you verses 6 to 8. I don't have overheads this morning. And it's the NIV version. And if you remember Abraham, the story of Abraham and Isaac, there was an expectation based on the fact he knew his God. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham spoke up, and what did he say? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And then we go down a little further in verse 12 and 13, and here's what happened. God spoke, do not lay a hand on the boy, and there do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've withheld, have not withheld from me my son, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham had expectation that God would provide the sacrifice. He knew his God. That was where his expectation rested, in his God that he knew. And God came through, did he not? in a marvelous way. Well, then let's go on to Daniel. 
dear old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we've all heard the story. But I want to just read a couple of verses here. In Daniel 3, 15 through 17. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, so this is the king speaking, flute, zah, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue then what God will be able to rescue from there? Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. matter. If you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And if you read on in the story, the fourth man appears into the fiery furnace, and that's upset a few people. And they walk out of there. There's no smell of smoke on their clothes. There's no singeing of that. Their God delivered. Now, what about you and I? Asked to bow down to a foreign God or be thrown in the furnace. What would our expectation be? That depends. That if you want to move on into the New Testament, and there's many, many things where people have an expectation and God comes on the scene. In Matthew 9, 20 to 23, which is the in, in the NIV I'm reading again, is the woman with the issue of blood. So she had dealt with this issue for 12 years. And she thinks, she's heard about Jesus, she's heard about his miracles, and she's expectation is, if I could just get there, I know he would heal me. I know. So here's, here's what it said. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the end of edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to her and saw her. Take heart, my daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. She had heard about Jesus. She had maybe even seen some of the miracles and the people he had performed miracles for. And her expectation was, if I could just get close enough to Jesus, all I need is to touch the hem of his garment. You and I have been in situations, I'm here to tell you, that we said, if but... I can just 
hold on. I know he'll come. I think over and over about let Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That story does my heart more good every day. Their friend or their brother had died. They had already called for Jesus. And guess what? He died. And they are heartbroken. And then they hear Jesus is coming. And they weren't very happy. You're late. We'd be the same. If you'd have been here a couple of days earlier, he'd be alive. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Four days late, but still on time. Four days late, still on time. Do not give up on your expectation. He will be on time. His time, not my time or your time. And then we have dear old Zacchaeus. Isn't he a nice guy? The tax collector. Not many people like the tax collector. But he had heard about Jesus too. And for some reason, he needed to see him. He wanted to see this man. But he was short. So here's where we have like the tiptoe expectation. You know, he's, and that's not going to work for him. He's even too short for tiptoeing. So he climbs a tree, a sycamore tree. He ran ahead. He saw the crowd coming. Everyone's taller than he is. Obviously, he couldn't see the head of Jesus in the crowd. But he wanted, for some reason, he had an expectation. He wanted to see Jesus. Now, he knew, Je heard about Jesus. He had maybe even at a distance seen Jesus in a crowd or something. I don't know. But for some reason, his expectation was he wanted to see Jesus. So he runs ahead and climbs a sycamore tree. Guess what? Jesus comes by. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house for tea. Expectation more than fulfilled. His desire was to see Jesus. Jesus' desire was, hey, I want to have tea with you. I have another plan. You're really going to know this, Jesus. You're not just going to see me. You're going to know me. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Probably the only one around in that crowd who really liked Zacchaeus. Didn't. Jesus was probably the only one who liked Zacchaeus that day. Zacchaeus. So... When you came in this building this morning, I trust y'all came with an expectation, but I would suggest y'all did not. But we should have. Nothing happens without expectation. I can hope. Hope is futile. I need an expectation. 
There was research done on a group of uh, students, and I don't know what grade, I forget what grades they were. And there was a group, of course, that were slow learners, weren't, and then there was those that excelled in their studies. And the researchers had a hypothesis that, you know what, given the right environment and expectation, those who aren't doing well will do well. So unbeknownst to the teachers, the slow learners and all the ones that were lower in the class, were, they were told were the bright ones. And they got a lot of attention, of course. At the end of the school year, they were, uh, uh, I forget how many points, above those who uh, were considered the cream of the crop. They superseded those that were the best. Why? There was an expectation that they could, and the teacher believed they could because she was told they could. And they got the attention that the other ones w were getting got reversed. A lesson for you and I. I know when in my career and the, when I worked, it was very important that I had expectations when I encountered various situations. And I would get, in most cases, what I expected. Expectation is important. You came into this room today hopefully with an expectation. I can't say if you did or you didn't, but you know if you did. No expectation changes nothing. Expectation with the sol a solid foundation of fact changes things. Our God desires change in me, in you, in this body of believers. You and I cannot see into the spiritual realm. And I know some of us have been praying for some stuff and we're just sometimes saying, God, where are you? But because we know who our God is, you persist until God says, no more. So you and I, we can't see what's happening out in that spiritual realm. What I do know is that the Father hears my prayers and knows my expectation. What I do know is he has said, I, have no, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will be with you until the end of the world. I am your Father. I will not give you a stone for bread. There are many things of the promises of God on which I can rest my expectation and know that someday God's going to intervene. My, I have an expectation my family will all be saved. Why? Because the word says 
that it will be for me and my household. I'm holding on to that. I, st I don't see a lot of change, but I don't know what's going on up there. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit may put in their path or how he talks to them in the nighttime. But what I do know is, until I see it, I believe it. It is my expectation. In Acts 2, a most beautiful piece of scripture, 17 to 21, and you've heard it over and over and over. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a lot in that prophecy. But I just want to capture two or three thoughts. I'm heading to a close. Out of that, what is it that you and I can know as individuals? We know God will speak to us. He did through the prophets. He said, I will speak to you again through the young men and the old men. That includes men and women. I will speak to you. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us in many ways. Through his word. Sometimes there's the, in the stillness. Be still and know that I am God. And when we can become that still, there's that still small voice that we know. We know it's not the enemy. You can tell that by what God speaks. He may use someone else. The caveat I have if he's using someone else, test it. Does it line up with the word? Just because someone speaks something over me doesn't mean I accept it until I had gone before God and I checked the word. Then I know. Then he says there'll be signs and wonders. God, he's talking to us, church. We are in the end time. We've been in the end time since the resurrection. And we're closer to the end than we were then. And some of us may actually see his return. But in the meantime, he said, we would see signs and wonders. I don't know what your expectation is in Mosaic. I know what mine is, and I'm not giving up. I expect to see healings and deliverances. I expect to see the power of God in this place and his glory and his power revealed. That is my expectation, and he's told me it is possible. 
I will persist in my prayer and seeking to do what I can to ensure that comes to pass. He also says be ready for battle in that little bit of work if you're really careful. Because he said there would be many things happening in the last days. And God warned us that that this wasn't a bed of roses, that there would be trials, there would be tribulations, and all these things happening. And so it should be no surprise. It takes us by surprise. And we can ask all the questions in the world. And sometimes God doesn't give us any answers. And we won't get any answers in some of these things until we get to the other side. The point is, do I trust him? And then the end of it comes, there is victory. Regardless of what is happening, there is victory. There is victory on this side, and the greatest victory is on the other side. But we have victory in Jesus Christ. He did not die on the cross, shed his blood, ascend to hell, grab the keys of death and hell, arise again on the third day for naught. He went there so you and I can have victory in our daily lives, in our walk, in our church. All hell will come against us, but he defeated the enemy. The enemy is not our Lord and Master. Jesus Christ is the one that you and I have as our leader, our victor, our savior. And he said, I give unto you all authority in the name of Jesus Christ. May God help us to be able to wield that sword of authority. So I don't know what you're expecting this morning. But I pray and I trust that your expectations will be about what can happen in your life and what can happen in this church. Nothing else matters. Now, your expectation must stand upon the word of God and you must believe without faith. God gave us faith. What was it? The greatest step of faith I think we've ever taken is the step of faith in salvation. And that was God-given. So surely our faith, the grain of a mustard seed, he can fertilize, bring up, and help us to have good expectations, grounded in the word, solid. The old hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Our expectations, if not grounded in the word of God and with the faith that he gives us, will be sinking sand. I'm going to pray and then we'll say goodbye to those who have joined us online.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that we can trust you, that your word is trustworthy, and that, Lord, you care for your children. You love us. You care for us. You lead us when we uh, cannot find our way. You put light in our path when there is, there is darkness. But you're always on time, Father. And so today I would pray that in the hearts of these people, that, Father, you will raise their expectation of what you can do and, how, and not worry about the circumstances around them and what they see, but what you have said. And Lord, your word says that we shall prosper in the land of the living and that you will see the glory of our God. And so, Father, I pray today that expectation will arise and that, Lord, that which you have promised will come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm cut. Why, Lord, why? I was sure Keith had promised me he wouldn't go live for a while. <laughs> Promise broken. You know, God is so good. So merciful. So full of grace. And you know, this morning, He's saying to you, there's some of you out there this morning who are carrying heavy loads. Heavy loads. He is the burden bearer. He is the one that can lift you up, make you soar like an eagle in the midst of a storm. He is the one that calms the waves. He is the one that comes alongside and says, my child, I know I know what you're going through. I'm with you. And our cry is, well, take it away. I want it gone. He didn't say that when he, when he whispered, did he? He just said, I'm with you. Fear not, little children. Fear not. The God of the universe is the God of the circumstance that you face today. He will carry you when you cannot walk one more step. You will look in the sand and there's only one set of footprints and that's because he's carrying you in a difficult circumstance. When you feel that you cannot go on one step further, he'll give you the strength to make one more step. He is, he is all you need and all I need. But he demands of me and of you to stand upon his word and trust him. Jesus, the solid rock, includes his word.
God spoke to me yesterday afternoon. It was around 4 o'clock. I was thinking about some things, and God led me to some promises that I had. And one of them was, he said about using me in the ministry that he had for me. He said, my son, but you have one thing that you hung, you're holding on to. I want you to let go and give it to me. And that was anger. The last couple of years, I've had a lot of things happen in my life that was really, really, really tied me up in knots. And I said, God, where are you in all of this? Where are you? Well, yesterday afternoon, I was reading through these promises, and he said, I want you to give that to me. And I broke, I broke in tears, and I said, Father, take it. Take it. I don't want anything between you and I, or my Lord, or the Holy Spirit. Please take this from me. And the same release that I felt 40 years ago when I was delivered of alcohol and drugs, I felt yesterday afternoon. It was just a breaking of the anger. So I, I've just come to the church today and I was just overwhelmed and just bubbling and say. That's my God. Amen. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Cast all your cares on me. I care for you. And I'm here today a much easier, lighter, loving person. And I know my sisters are glad to hear that. <laughs> but I just want to tell everybody here, God is working. He's working mightily. And that's what he done for me yesterday. And he's going to do more. And I'm praying for the church that we will have more unity with each other. And I've been praying to God about that. And I'm sure he's going to bring that to pass too. Amen. Thank you. God can't take anything that we're not willing to give him. We can put our hand he can say, I want, but if we don't give it to him, there's nothing he can do about it. Hi. Um, some of you that have been praying already know that my son, some of you that have been praying for my family already know that my son has injured his right eye. It's called a global burst. Generally, when you have a global burst, you're done. The eye is gone. That's what the doctors told me on the phone. So we've been going on this for almost two weeks or a little over two weeks. My son's been transported home on his own 
um, they released him from hospital uh, quite to our dismay. He's home at his father's place isolating right now. And he sees out of one eye and basically the rest of us are devastated and we really don't know what his future is going to be. I mean generally and overall. So a young man of his age at 25 is facing a very different life. And um, we're trying to fight to get them to help him with his mental health mm -hmm. and to hopefully help him with his eye. They haven't removed his eyeball yet. Um, we're still praying that he'll be healed, but um, we don't know anything mm -hmm. right now. I just wanted to clarify the fact that he didn't harm himself. As we, I was first told by the emergency room doctors, he had a terrible accident with a rock. Mm. So this is what we're carrying right now. And Let's uh, just pray that. for Liam. Thank you. Father, we lift Liam to you. He's your child. You knew him before he was born. You know that path that he's on. And Father, you see the condition of his eye. You are the great physician. You are able to stretch forth your hand. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we say, I be restored. Be restored. For his mental health, Lord, put the right people in his path. That those who will understand, who will have insight, give them wisdom, Lord of how to deal with Liam. And we pray, Father, for Liam today, that your Holy Spirit will come round about him, surround him, and for his family, Lord, who are dealing with the stress of all of the, that whole situation. Bring them peace and a knowledge that you are in control and you will do what you do best and that we can trust you. And Father... The human part of us gets anxious and all of the rest. So I pray, Father, the covering of your peace on Liam, on Rhonda, his dad, his grandparents, and all of his other uh, uh, close connections, Father, that are struggling with what's happening, that your peace would come upon them, and that, Father, they'll pull them up, the peace of God, up over them like a blanket, and that they will realize their God is at work. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in Liam's life. We give you praise and we give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, yes, sister. Come to the mic and remove your mask. Yes, sir. <laughs> I've been, I was told from back there. So. Yes, sir, massa. I'll do it. <laughs> God bless you, sister. Thank you. Uh, I just want to give a testimony. I want to thank everyone who prayed for me, uh, my situation yesterday, but I want to give God the glory. My son, who was living in Vancouver, moved home about, well, six weeks ago, I guess, or five weeks ago. Anyway, uh, yesterday, his uncle and I and him, we were just sitting on the couches talking, reminiscing. I had to run to the dollar store. When I came, I came back home, 
and I heard this groaning, but my patio door was open. My son was on his knees and hands. He couldn't breathe. And uh, he just looked at me. He barely said, Mom, um, I'm dying. It's getting dark, and I love you. And now he's 6'2". He's like this. And so I couldn't get in my patio door. So <laughs> I have to laugh when I, I think about what I did. But anyway, so he's there, and uh, he just said I was dying, and he just started, he just slumped right over. So I just said, in the name of Jesus, I said, you will not die today, boy. Now, he's, he's in his 40s, right? I said, you will not die today. I said, God promised, because I asked him later if he could hear me, but he said my, he heard me in the beginning, but my voice was fading out. I said, God gave me a promise that he's going to save you. You're coming the hard way, but you're coming, and so you ain't dying today in this house, boy. <laughs> not today. And so I got my, in the meantime, my uncle was calling the ambulance and everything, and so, uh, so the, the ambulance comes, uh, just before the ambulance gets there, I, I did manage to, to climb over him, and he, he was just sort of breathing uh, lightly, and then all of a sudden he stopped breathing. So I looked, and I, and I, I was looking at his back, and I said to my, my brother Peter, I said, he's not breathing. So I, get, I take my fist, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command life to come back into you. I, I don't care if God takes you tonight, but you're going to be saved first, boy, tonight. You're going to be saved. You know, in Jesus' name. So, of course, I'm on, but I started on the patio, and my neighbors are all coming out. Here I am hollering and going on, like, right? But I said, but, you know, faith just had to rise up in me. I said, and so, so that was fine. The ambulance came, and I, I went down later. But as I was going down to the Emerge to meet him down there, like my son, he drinks beer. He loves his beer. But he came home Friday night, and he, I mean, he came home, like, around 2 o'clock in the morning. He, so I let him in, because he doesn't have a key, and he says, he just comes in and says, Mom, I love you. You know what? I'm going to be a pastor. And I said, you're going to be what? He said, I'm going to be a pastor. I said, no, boy, you're going to be an evangelist. Now go to bed. That's your beer talking, right? <laughs> and so he goes to bed, you know, in the morning and stuff. But as I'm going down to the hospital, I'm, I was just thinking, I was saying, you know, he came home last night, said he was going to be a pastor. I don't know if God was, you know, dealing with him or not. But it was just like the enemy was trying to take his life yesterday, you know. I didn't put it together till I was driving down the hospital and things like this here. So, of course, I was just telling the enemy, I said, look, he's not yours. He was dedicated to God when he was young, and I said, he belongs to God. I said, I don't care what you're trying to do, he's not dying today. And so, anyway, they thought he had a heart attack. That was the problem. But anyway, I prayed against that. He didn't have a heart attack. Then they thought he had a clot in his lungs, and, and that was removed. And so anyway, what, so they, the only thing they could say was that he had a severe uh, panic attack and he just couldn't breathe. He was just sitting on the couch and all of a sudden he said, I can't, I don't feel good and boom, down he, he goes, like, right? So, but anyway, I want to give God the glory that this boy is alive today. He's sleeping when I left, but he's going to live. At least tell he gets saved. God can take him after that, but he's getting saved. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love Roseanne. I love Roseanne.
The best is yet to come. Breakthrough is coming. In Jesus' name. Uh, we, I'm going to make, we're going to take up an offering. And then we have some uh, And we just praise you for what you have done here in this place this morning.